Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brad and team. It is so good to sing together, to lift up praises to our King together here in this circle and along with you watching virtually online or on Facebook or wherever you are watching. I want to welcome you this weekend. I am Chris, one of the pastors here at Crossroads Church, uh, and, uh, and I want to let you know a little bit about myself. I'm an 80s kid. I grew up in the 80s. I, I was born three days before, actually, 1980. So uh, all of my 10 years, the whole decade of the 80s, I got to see. And uh, if there's one thing that everybody knows about the 80s uh, is that it produced really great movies, um, like uh, Karate Kid, right? The, the original ones, right? Um, Indiana Jones, uh, the, the Goonies, uh, I mean, just classic movies. In fact, we have been taking our kids through some of the, the classic movies of the 80s and uh, just loving it. One of our favorites, one of my favorites, is the Back to the Future trilogy. Uh, the first one is the best. And, uh, and, and you remember in the first one where Marty McFly accidentally goes back to 1955. And there he runs into his soon-to-be mom and soon-to-be dad. And a few things happen where he now has to, to kind of pick up the pieces so that they will meet and fall in love at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. And so here he is sort of running around kind of like a chicken with his head cut off and he's, uh, you know, doing all these crazy things. But, but, he, but George McFly is a pretty timid guy. Uh, and, and so he's giving him a pep talk one day and he says this, he says, you know, George, if you set your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. And so then the movie goes on and, and you know, they all fall in love and everything gets back to normal. And, and Marty McFly wakes up in 1985 and his whole life is different. His parents um, and his siblings have uh, like, like really successful jobs and, and their whole family is different. And in fact, Biff is no longer this big bully, but he's out front waxing their car. Uh, and Biff brings in a delivery box that just got delivered uh, full of George McFly's new book. And George McFly opens up the box and he pulls out his, the first copy and he hands it to Marty and he says, you know, Marty, uh, like I always say, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. And this is a pretty popular idea in our world, right? This idea that, that, hey, you can dig deep into the well within you and whatever you want to do, you can go for it. You can just dream big and go for it. Or, or maybe you think of something more current than, than 1985 uh, and you think of Shia LaBeouf and his, his video that, that was sort of weird. And remember the, the one that went virtual? Look it up if you haven't seen it. But, but he's like strong man flexing at the camera and he's like, just do it, right? And he's like, he's like, here it is. Just, just get it. Just do it. Right. And it's like, I don't know if I should be afraid or if I should be encouraged to, right now. Uh, but, but, but either way, the, the idea is the same is, is, Hey, if you look deep enough in you, if you look deep enough, if, if you dig deep enough, you can muster the strength and the power to do anything. Now, here's the thing is I get the sentiment. The, the, the idea behind that is look, set big goals. Uh, go for your dreams, um, like, like think about what it is that you want to do, do hard things and, and, and go for it. There's a lot that you can accomplish. But if we were to take this literally, if you, to, to take the idea, set your mind to it and you can accomplish anything, if we were to take that literally, it's just not true. It's just not true. And you know this. Because just like me, you have those, those habits, those, those setbacks, 
Those things that maybe you've tried to, to, to do away with in your life for years and years and years, but you just haven't been able to do that. Or maybe something that you've been trying to achieve. Maybe it's I want to become a more patient person, or I want to become a more loving person, or I want to become a more generous person. And, and, and you strive and you strive, but you just can't seem to maybe to get there. I mean, it doesn't take long for us to, to realize that we are far from perfect. And all you have to do is be a mom or a dad, and you know that you are far from perfect. Kids, you know that your mom and dad are not perfect, that you have a front row seat to that. Or, or if you're married, you know that your wife or your husband, that they are not perfect. And we struggle and we struggle and we struggle and we strive. We strive to attain certain things. We strive to become certain kinds of people. And what happens is we end up making promises. Have you ever done that? Okay, Jesus, I promise I, I'm never going to do that again. Jesus, this is, I, I promise I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love this person that I don't like very much, and I'm going to be kind to them. And Jesus, I promise. And, and we sort of put that stake in the ground. And what happens is that we get so frustrated with trying and trying and trying that we just sort of fake it. Now, here's the thing, is that as believers in Christ, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, that, that we are called to be different the Bible actually explains it this way, that, that hey, you are a new creation. The, the old is gone. You are a new man or a new woman. But do you ever feel like you're still just the old man? That, that you're still stuck in some of those old things? You see, what if some things are, are actually impossible for us to do in our own strength and in our own desires. And some of you will hear, hear that word impossible and think, oh man, game on. Like that's my challenge. That's all I needed was just to tell me something's impossible and I will figure out a way to get it done. But, but let me ask you this. If it was as simple as just putting your mind to it, putting your, your willpower to it, wouldn't you be further along than you already are? Wouldn't you be further down the road? Wouldn't you be more the kind of person you want to be if it was as simple as putting your mind to it. What are, what are those things for you? What comes to mind? What are the things that, that you've tried to, to, to overcome or, or tried to attain over the years in you, but you just can't seem to quite get there? You see, what we're talking about is this theological concept, this, this spiritual concept called transformation. You see, a few weeks ago, we started this series called Finding Jesus, and Pastor Matt opened up the series with this idea of come and see. Like, we have this invitation to just come and, and sort of observe what Jesus is like, that he's this amazing guy. He's this amazing God who, who loves you and, and who is uh, perfect and, and powerful and kind. Come and see. And then the second week, last week, Pastor Tim talked about this idea of see and, and believe, that, that once you've observed, once you see who Jesus is, go ahead and put your trust in him. Put your faith in him. Trust in him like you do gravity every day. And this week we're talking about this idea that, that once you believe, we are to be different. Believe and be different. The question then is, well, how do we do that? How do we do that? 
And the answer is actually found in the book of John, chapter 15. If you, wanna, if you have a Bible, you can open up to John, chapter 15. Uh, it's, the, it's the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's kind of toward the, the end of your Bible as a whole. Uh, in John, chapter 15, Jesus gives his disciples this illustration, and I think it's because he knew that they were going to be like us, that they were going to be the kind of, of guys who, who, who just want to do things on their own. They just want to white-knuckle it and, and make things happen. And he says this, I think they might have been walking along, and he saw a grapevine, and he's like, oh yeah, this is what I wanted to say to you. Listen up, guys. And he says this in verse 1 of John 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now let me stop right there for a second and explain a couple of things. Jesus is talking about how he is the vine, and he says the Father, Father God, is the vine dresser. He's the one that takes care of the vine. And and as believers in Christ, we are the branches. We're attached to the vine, and and the branches produce fruit. The, the, The branches produce good things. And the vine dresser prunes those branches so that there's more fruit that comes out of them. And then he goes on and he gives us the answer to the how question. How do we, uh, how do we change? How do we transform? He says this in verse 4. Abide in me. That's a word we don't use typically in our language. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear any fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in in me. And then he repeats himself, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, some of you still may not be convinced. Like, you know what? There's a lot I can do, and I can be who I want to be, and I can, and I can produce the things in my life that I want to produce. I mean, I'm a self-made man is maybe your attitude. And, and, and here's the thing. Um, you can produce some fruit. You can. Like, you can pretend to, to love someone that you don't actually love for an hour. You can pretend to be patient when you're watching someone else's kids. You can pretend to be generous. You can... You can force yourself to to, to be these certain things and to do these certain things. But here's the thing, is that self-produced fruit always dries up. In fact, as quick as it grows, it dries up and, and it goes away. But when we abide, when we abide in Jesus, what does that mean? What does that word abide mean? Well, it means three things. It means connection, it means dependence, and it means endurance. Connection. The the branch has to be connected, physically connected, in this case, to the vine. If it's not, it's it's totally detached. It's not going to bear any fruit, but it has to be connected to the vine. This idea is that we are connected to Jesus, that we're spending time with Jesus, that it's not just a prayer we prayed a long time ago. It's not just praying before bed or for meals or whatever, but that there's this idea that, man, my life, day in and day out, minute by minute, I am connected to Jesus. Jesus. 
And further than that, this idea of dependence, that, that not only am I connected, but that I'm dependent on him, that, that, that if he doesn't come through, things are going to go badly. If he doesn't come through, um, I'm not going to have anything in my life that, that's good. This idea of dependence on the vine, do you depend on him? When was the last time you woke up and thought, man, Jesus, if you don't, if you don't come through today, like, this is over. I mean, this idea that, that, gosh, every moment I'm just dependent on him. And then finally, the idea of endurance. That we don't just, that we don't just connect to him and we don't just depend on him when, when things are hard or when things are bad or, or when we need things from him, but that we, we endure, we stay connected, we stay dependent, and we endure through the good times and through the bad times, through the good seasons and through the bad seasons. And here's the big idea of all of this, of John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, is this, is that self-producing fruit, fruit is the good things in your life, self-producing fruit, fruit dries up, but Christ abiding fruit is abundant. Self-producing fruit dries up. We've all seen that in our lives, haven't we? But Christ abiding fruit is abundant. Now, I did a little bit of research on grapevines because I never had a grapevine. I've never grown a grapevine. Uh, I've seen pictures of vineyards, uh, but I've never been to one. Uh, but, but, but I did some research on them, and, and there's a couple of interesting things uh, about grapevines. Is, is, is the first is this, is they require time. In fact, when they, when they plant a new grapevine, uh, the first few years, they're not, not expecting any fruit from the grapevine. It takes time, and, and you and I know what that's like, especially here in Colorado on the western slope where we have amazing peaches. Uh, you know, nobody goes out and plants a, a peach seed and then comes out an hour later expecting to, to pick some peaches and make peach cobbler. I mean, that would be amazing, uh, but that doesn't happen. There's this idea of time and waiting. And some of you right now are in that season of waiting. In fact, this is a concept we see throughout Scripture all over the place throughout the Bible, this idea of waiting upon the Lord. And my encouragement to those of you who feel like you're in just a season of waiting, you're waiting for that person to come back to faith. You're waiting for that, that child to, to, to find themselves as an adult. You're waiting, whatever it might be, you're waiting for, for God to do things in your own heart, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting. And my encouragement is this, is just to continue to abide. Abide. The second idea is about grapevine is this, is that it goes through seasons. Again, just like any other plant, that there's seasons of growth, there's seasons of, of that growth falling off, there's, there's seasons of new life, and there's seasons of dormancy. In fact, I, I studied a little bit about grapevines, and, and, and when they go through winter time, when they go through their dormancy phase, the way that those little branches, uh, have you ever looked out at your trees or your bushes, and you saw these little twigs, and you're like, man, how do you survive uh, in this like sub-zero temperatures that we get here in Colorado. Well, the way that, that those branches survive uh, is the, the energy and the, the carbs that are reserved deep down in the roots. You see, the moment if it, if it ever got disconnected from the, the vine, it, it, would, it, would, it would die. But, but it thrives on the, on the energy and the, the life source deep down in the roots. And the other thing about the dormancy phase for grapevines is that it actually has to reach a certain level of cold 
for a certain amount of time. In fact, if it doesn't get cold enough for long enough, the grapes won't actually produce in the spring. They won't produce that next year, that next crop. You see, it has to get bad. It has to get bad for the grapevines in order before they can actually start producing fruit. And some of you are in that season right now of dormancy. Man, where God just feels far away where you're not sure what, what is going to happen next, where, where life just sort of seems to be not going how you planned it, and, and you're not quite sure how much longer you can survive. You're just waiting and waiting and waiting for the spring to come, and you don't know when it's going to come. And, and there you are in that season of dormancy. But let me encourage you that, that just like the grapevine has to get cold enough, it has to get bad enough before it produces fruit, And guess what? The fruit comes back with a vengeance. You see, when we're in those seasons of dormancy, God is still working in us. He is still our life source. He is the one who's preparing us for what that spring is going to look like. And then the third thing that I thought was interesting about grapevines is this idea of pruning. And we see this here in these verses that the vine dresser prunes the branches. Now, For if you've ever trimmed your trees or bushes or whatever, it's one thing to go and cut off dead limbs. Like this is a dead limb, cut it off, throw it in the firewood pile, have a fire pit later on that night, no big deal. Uh, But man, when you start cutting off limbs that have buds or leaves on them, that's when it starts getting a little scary. Like, wow, should I really be cutting this off? You see, when a vine dresser prunes the grapes, uh, they cut off quite a bit of the life that grew before. And if they don't prune the vines carefully, what happens is that these vines become this tangled mess of of wood that that doesn't produce any fruit. You see, what happens is they go through every year and they they cut off life. Why? Because then the, the, the fruit that remains grows healthier and more abundant. But not only pruning, vine dressers do what they call training the vine. You see, what they do is they have these trellises out there in the vineyard. If you've ever seen like the wires and the metal and stuff and, and the grapevines come up and then they spread and they go this way. They, they get trained to do that. The vine dresser, the first few years of a vine's life um, is less concerned about any fruit that it's going to produce and more concerned about how to set it up for future fruit production. And if they do it well, if they train this vine well, if they prune it well, what's going to happen is that vine is going to be set up for years and years of good crop. And some of you right now are in that season of pruning. And man, life has been hard. Maybe it's a job or or a relationship, something that has been part of your life that is no longer part of your life. And you're thinking, man, how much more can I handle? How much more can I handle getting cut out of my life. I can't survive this. Well, here's my encouragement to you is is to continue to abide, to trust in our good father who is a good vine vine dresser and he is trustworthy. And one day, one day after the pruning, you will see the fruit that comes and you'll look back on that season and go, oh yeah, that's what he was doing. And if he hadn't, how much worse off you would have been. Now, I realize this idea can be a little bit theoretical or, or ethereal. And so, so I want to bring it down uh, to, to, to our level um, for just a moment in a real practical way 
you know, we all experience these three things, time, waiting, and pruning, um, in different ways. But, but for me, I experienced all three of these in a distinct season of about four years or so in my life, in my early 20s. I was 21 years old, and I was working at a church um, as the middle school pastor and, and uh, loving life. Um, man, things were going well, but, but I started to get tired, and I got burned out, and I ended up quitting my job. I, uh, I entered into this season of <clears throat> two years where, where I questioned everything about my faith. I questioned God. I questioned the church. I saw things that, that I just thought, man, how in the world does this have anything to do with, if God's real, then why in the world am I seeing these things happen in his people? And there was actually a season where I didn't even call myself a Christian. I was, so, I was so confused and everything was up in the air. I just didn't want anything to do with it. I was just a little bit sick and tired of the hypocrisy. And I mean, the, it just goes on and on and on. And it was through this season, it was really a season of dormancy for me because I thought, man, all of this that I have known, I mean, I had already been to Bible college. I had already had ministry roles. And I thought, man, ministry is the last thing that I want to do right now. And I thought, where did, where did God go? What happened? I felt so far away from him. Nothing in my life made sense. And so I went back and I, I worked uh, at Wheat Ridge Parks and Rec, where I had worked over the summers throughout high school. And, and I got on there full time. And I, uh, it was a great job, great boss. Keith was my supervisor. And, and man, uh, it was a great few years working there. Uh, still friends with some of those guys. Um, but you know, it entered into a season of waiting for me because what happened is that God brought me through those two years of dormancy, those, th- those two years of winter, of bleak winter, and, and, he, and he brought me out of that to where, man, I was drawn back to him and, and to his kindness. And what, what I found out is that it was through that season that felt so cold and, and, and bitter that he was actually using that to forge my faith to strengthen it, to, to, to bring it about more rock solid than it had ever been before. And with that came along a desire to get back into vocational ministry, to work again with students at a church. And so what happened is we started praying about it, and I started applying, and, and I, I sent out my resume uh, probably, I don't know, 100 or 200 times over the course of two years all around the country, and nothing was happening. Nothing was happening, and I was getting frustrated. I mean, my job was good at Wheat Ridge, and, and, and things were fine, but, but, but I knew that God had something else for me. It just wasn't happening. And I tried, and I tried, and I tried. And again, it was during this season of waiting that God was forging in me things that I never would have learned outside of that season of waiting. And then what happened is I entered into a, a, a season where, man, we were going to serve at the church we were, we were attending. We were volunteering with the youth ministry. We were super involved there with the students and there every time the doors were open and just uh, being used by God in incredible ways there as volunteers. And I began to think, Renee and I both did, like, man, this could be it. Like, this could be the answer to some of our prayers about where God wants me to be working next and could it be this is that place? And, and sure enough, a position opened up in the youth ministry. And I thought, man, this is it. This is, this is going to happen. This, I can't wait. And, and I had great conversations with some of the staff. And, and it looked like things were falling into place. But then all of a sudden, snip, it all went away. They decided to restructure and go a different direction. And that plan did not 
include me. And I, again, thought, man, God, what is going on? What are you doing? Why, why didn't this work out? I want it so bad. I could force it to happen almost if I wanted to. But now it just got pruned away from me. And we had a choice to make. Renee and I did. We had a choice. Are we just going to get mad and leave, which would have been easy for us to do? Or are we going to stick around and continue to serve these students in this ministry that we are committed to, whether we're paid or not? And we decided to stick around. And for nine months... We walked in the, that youth room two or three times a week to serve. And I helped the new guy that got hired instead of me get adjusted and get acclimated to the group. And I helped the staff work their new structure. And, and you know what? Every time I did that, a little bit of my pride got sliced away. And a little bit of my ego died. You see, it was during that pruning that, that God, again, was working in me these amazing things that I would have never learned outside of pruning. And if I had my way, uh, things would have turned out badly in hindsight. And then one day, one day I saw the job announcement for the high school pastor here at Crossroads Church when we were just one campus at our North Glen location. And I sent Pastor Kim my resume. Uh, the next day I had an interview with him. And three weeks later, I started my new job here at Crossroads Church, which is almost 15 years ago now. And man, I'm so grateful for it. And we see how God moved and actually placed, this, uh, placed us into this situation, into this spot for this time. But, but here's the thing is the fruit that I'm talking about is not the job, although I believe that's from God. It's a good thing from him. The fruit the fruit that came is what he was doing in me during those painful seasons, that four years where I was just struggling. Where I didn't know which way was up. I didn't know what, what God was doing, and, and I was hurting bad. You see, God was using those things to, to teach me. And here's the thing is, did you notice something from verse 4? Something from verse 4, and actually verse 5 too. It says this in verse 4, Abide in me and what I in you. What does that mean? In verse 5, he, he says it again. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him. Wait a second. So God, you don't want me to just abide in you, but, but you want to abide in, in me? You see, wherever you're at right now, whether you're in a season of waiting or a season of pruning or a season of dormancy, whatever it might be, God is not just expecting you to, to do it. He's not saying, hey, just come and, and, and hang out with me. What he's saying is, look, I want to I abide in you. And this is mind-blowing. This is an amazing invitation, unlike any other religion or any other philosophy that says, hey, come and follow these religious duties, follow these five pillars, come and do this stuff so that you can then gain enlightenment or gain some sort of level of godliness or whatever it is. Jesus says, no, 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 no. come to me, come and see, see and believe and believe and be as you abide in me. And guess what? I'm going to send my spirit to abide in you. Did you know that as a believer in Jesus, that the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that created the universe, abides in you. He dwells in you. So when you feel alone, you're not alone. 
When you wonder where God is, he's closer than your skin. When you don't see God doing anything, guess what? He's in you and he's working for your good. He's turning bad things into good for his purposes. That's what he does. That's the kind of God that we have. And for those of you who maybe have been following Christ for a long time, maybe you're in a place where, where you are in one of those three uh, situations where you're waiting or you're, you're being pruned or you're in a season of dormancy and you don't know which way is up. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for 30 years and you think, you know what, I have it all together. I don't really need him as much as I did back then. Well, man, my, my encouragement to you is just to turn back to him. The invitation's open. Turn back to him and abide in him. Be connected, be dependent, and endure with Jesus. And for those of you who are watching, who maybe, man, you don't know what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe you're just checking us out and, and, and we seem a little nuts to you, the, the whole Christian thing, and, and you're not really sure what it is. Well, well here's the thing, and my encouragement to you is, is come and see. See and believe. And as you believe, man, watch God do things in you that you could never do on your own. Watch God begin to transform you. Watch God begin to, to give you breakthrough, to help you uh, overcome those addictions, those habits. Whatever it might be, you see our God is a God who transforms. And he loves you. He loves you. And if that's you this weekend, we want to pray with you. We want to talk with you. We want to answer questions that that might bring up in your head. And so if you click the raise hand button on our online platform, or if you text the name Jesus to this number below, uh, either way, either of those two options, someone will get in touch with you and they will uh, be able to talk with you, answer questions and pray with you as you take those steps in what it means to follow Jesus. Would you pray with me together? God, we, we thank you for your incredible love for us. God, we acknowledge today that, that we are weak, that we are insufficient. But I thank you that that is not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is not for us to be strong and to produce and to, to be better people. The message of the gospel is that I'm weak and that I surrender and Father, as we surrender to you, we pray, God, that your spirit would fill us anew, that the very spirit of God would work in us. And we say this today, whatever it is, God, that you want to do, whatever kind of fruit you want to produce in our lives, God, whatever you need to prune out of our lives, what, however long you want us to wait, or, or whatever season of dormancy you want us to go through, God, we, we say yes. And we, we trust you because you are the good father. And so, God, we, we love you and we thank you. Do in us whatever you want to do. We surrender to you. And it's in your good and powerful name we pray these things. Amen.